Well, amen. Thank you, Brother Mike and music ministry, and thank you folks for being here. Uh, I will tell you that uh, Mother's Day Sunday night sometimes is a little bit down, and I think we are a little bit down tonight as far as attendance is concerned. And uh, obviously folks perhaps are in different places uh, spending time with, with family, uh, but I'm glad that you're here. And uh, the Lord's given us a message to preach tonight, and we'll get into that here in just a moment. I wanted to just mention a few things. It's, uh, first of all, it's a blessing to have many of our college students back uh, home for the summer and uh, we're certainly delighted to uh, see uh, folks uh, kind of trickle in here. I know this past week the uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College as well as Pensacola Christian College uh, let out and uh, I don't know that all of our, our, our young people are back just yet. Some of them are back and will be here just for a time before they head back to whether it's their college or some of them are traveling representing their college uh, or maybe serving in some other ministry. And so uh, don't take for granted that, that all of them are going to be here all summer. And so if you see one, uh, reach out to them and greet them because it's likely that there are a few at least I know of that are, are going to be heading out very soon uh, to uh, places to serve uh, this summer. And, uh, and so we're certainly grateful for that. I did want to say just a word or two to our church family. Uh, of course, um, we mentioned this morning uh, regarding uh, Brother Wissam and, and Megan's uh, little girl, Stella. And, um, and of course, uh, yesterday she experienced four seizures, which obviously is extremely uh, scary. And, um, and I don't know that uh, there's, there's any answers necessarily at this point in time. Uh, she had a fever-induced uh, seizure back in uh, November of last year. And, uh, and so uh, we, you know, sort of the family just kind of passed that off as being, well, the, the fever spiked, and, and that's sort of what the body does many times when that happens. Um, but uh, yesterday, sort of almost in rapid succession, you know, throughout the day, uh, experienced four of them. And so obviously a very traumatic day for uh, Brother Wissam and, and Miss Megan, and of course with the new baby in the home. And Brother Wissam fresh off of the all-nighter, um, truly, truly, he had, he had been up all night on, fr- on Friday night, got home and was getting some sleep when all of this began to unfold. And so it sort of became his responsibility to take Stella to the hospital due to uh, Megan, really her inability to be away from the, the little baby there in the home. And, uh, and so they did transfer her in the middle of the night uh, downtown uh, to, a, uh, to the downtown campus uh, for further monitoring and further testing, which most of that went on today. And again, we don't really have any answers for you at this point in time, but we would encourage you to be praying uh, for her. Um, I, I did notice that there seemed to be a, a, an uptick in her, um, in, in her um, just you know, the way that she was carrying on when her uncle walked in the door. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if that, that plays any role in anything whatsoever, but um, we do want you to be praying for uh, little Stella, if you would, and a precious little girl. I think she'll be two in July. So uh, again, just in need, of our, in need of our prayers. And I also want you to be praying for Brother Tom, if you would, and his family. I think he maybe mentioned it this morning, but uh, his grandmother went home to be with the Lord on Friday, and uh, she had been, uh, been ill for quite a while, uh, lives down in the state of Texas, and his mom had gone to, uh, to be with her and had been with her for several weeks. And in some respects, you know, you can get to a point in a family where you, where you really just pray that the Lord would take them home. And I think that's where this, this family was. But I know that he would covet your prayers for him and his family. He'll be traveling down this weekend, uh, Friday into, into Saturday. Be back, I think, on Saturday. Uh, but I certainly want you to be praying for some of our, uh, some of our staff and the, just the different things that uh, they're dealing with. Uh, and uh, again, I know as a church family, you'll... You'll be careful to uh, minister to them, to pray for them, and, uh, and to, to, again, try to comfort them in, in uh, the best way that you know how. Let's take our Bibles together tonight and go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3, please. Ephesians, chapter number 3. 
We began this message last Sunday evening, and we really only, only got through the introduction. We won't spend a lot of time in the introduction tonight, but I do want you to look with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word. Now that word dispensation can mean can mean different things, I suppose, at different times. The, the word here in this in this instance it means it means sort of like the ministry or the stewardship, um, the gift, as it were, of the grace of God which is given me to you word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge, there's that word again, that phrase, in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. And then notice that phrase that we've been emphasizing all this year, by the Spirit. So, so the indication here of this particular particular text is that Paul is saying that God has God has chosen me for this time period as as an apostle and um, and and the work that God has chosen me to do is to through me to reveal to you to the revelation that's the word that's given there to reveal to you what had previously for many hundreds and many thousands of years had previously been mysterious or a mystery and of course, we spent quite a bit of time last week emphasizing the, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, there are glimpses of the grace of God, but by and large, the Old Testament emphasis is on the law. And the Bible says that the law was a schoolmaster. Uh, in, in other words, the, uh, the, the law was, was, was like almost, a, almost like a rod that, uh, that hovered over every individual. And at the moment that you said the wrong thing, thought the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, uh, th- that, that rod was, was heavy-handed to come down upon you. And that really is the, 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 the emphasis, for the most part, of the, of the Old Testament. And, um, and, and so we, we, have a, we have a group of people that God had chosen to reveal himself to, the nation of Israel, and yet as we said last week, that group of people, rather than taking the, uh, the, 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 the grace that God had given to them and taking the oracles that God had given to them and passing them along to others, and we, we talked about that, that God established the nation of Israel not so that they could be some special group of people necessarily, but God established them so that all the earth might know who God is. That's what it was all about. And yet you know as well as I do that by and large the, the Old Testament Jews developed an attitude of superiority, uh, an attitude of, of supremacy over everyone else. If you weren't a Jew, you really weren't worth a whole lot. If you were a Gentile, well, we really don't want to have anything to do with you at all. And so it, it really you know, degenerated into this system of the haves and the have-nots spiritually and yet the truth of the matter is, is that if you study the nation of Israel's history, you'll find that, that throughout the Old Testament, they were many times that every bit as corrupt, every bit as wicked, every bit as idolatrous as the people around them. And so, and so the, uh, the working of God in their midst, um, it, 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 it did not accomplish what it could have accomplished. It certainly did not do for the nations around them that it should have done for the nations around them. Because the people just refused to be right, to get right, and to do right. 
And of course, all of that leads up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And his birth, the Bible says that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son and Jesus Christ entered into this world. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He, 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 he fulfilled the law. He did everything that the law required. He was put to death, by the way, by those same people that had received the oracles of God, that had received the word of God. He was put to death by those same people. And the Bible, and the Bible tells us that, uh, that, that he, of course, he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again. And um, God chose, shortly thereafter, God chose a man by the name of Paul. At that time, he was known Saul, known as Saul. We will obviously know him as the Apostle Paul. God chose him to be the one to lift, as it were, the, the curtain, to, uh, to remove the, the spiritual fog that had hovered over, uh, over the, 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 the hundreds and thousands of years, the centuries of time, and Paul is writing here, and he says, for whatever reason, God has chosen me to reveal this mystery to me, not that I, not that I keep it for myself, that I hold on to it. No, 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 the goal is that I take it and I preach it to everyone everywhere that I go. That's what it's all about. And that mystery is this, that God delights in grace. That, that God wants, listen, God wants a relationship with people, and, 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 and because the Lord Jesus Christ had not come yet, it was, it was very difficult for, for a man to be in a right relationship with God, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, listen, grace is available to everyone that is alive today. And, uh, and, and so Paul says, I've been given this dispensation. I've been given this stewardship. I've been given this ministry. This, this gift has been given to me. Not that, I, not that I hold on to it for myself and, and, and keep other people from knowing about it, but rather that I take this gift and that I pass it along to others. Now, as we think tonight, as we think tonight, we understand that the vast majority of people living around us really, in many respects, are, are, are not a whole lot better than those living in the Old Testament as it relates to their knowledge and their understanding of who God is. In other words, listen, listen. we've had 2,000 years with this gift. We've had 2,000 years with this ministry. We, we've, had all of, we've had two millennia with this, uh, with, with this dispensation. And yet, would you not agree with me that the vast majority of people that live in our world today are as clueless are as in, are, are as in as, as much of a spiritual fog, the, the, the mystery for them remains unsolved. Would you not agree with me that that's the, that's the vast majority of the world that we're living in? Brother Valdez and his family have gone to Cambodia, a nation of millions of people, and I guarantee he'd tell you the exact same thing, that in Cambodia, it's like it is here in the United States of America. There is a spiritual fog. There is a, there is a blindfold that exists over many of the eyes of the people living there. So whose responsibility is it to, uh, to, to, to lift that, that spiritual fog? And, and, and I just want you to know something, that God, God has given, as he gave it to the Apostle Paul, God has given us that same dispensation. God has given us that same mystery, that same gift, that, that same ministry. We have a responsibility to take the grace of God that we have received and to pass it along to everyone that we know, everyone that we meet, everyone that bring, God brings along our path. 
I want to point out three specific things to you that I find here in this third chapter as it relates to the dispensation of the grace of God. Can I say, number one, that the dispensation of the grace of God, number one, requires a minister. The dispensation of the grace of God requires a minister. The Bible talks here as the Apostle Paul, and, and he says in verse number one, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. Again, that word dispensation means ministry. Would you look with me in verse number seven? Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, the the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 10, verses 12 to 15, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen how, listen how this passage ends. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? I'm not sure what that was. The devil's in the sound system maybe, I don't know. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, you know what the Apostle Paul is writing here in Romans chapter number 10? He, he, he's saying this, he says, listen, how in the world can people know that there is grace from God unless there's a minister who tells them? How are they going to know that? How are, how are your neighbors going to know who Jesus is unless you tell them. You ever stop to think about the fact that maybe, maybe God has you in your neighborhood not because it, it, it had the right square footage for your family or the right amount of bedrooms or, or, or that the, the kitchen was exactly what you dreamed or, 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 or it has so many, uh, it has, it has so many uh, parking spots there in your, in, in your garage. And, and do you ever stop to think that that's really not what this is all about? That, that you're not there because, well, they, they, they have really great safety forces here in this community. You're not there because, well, the park system, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and they've got all these updated things, and they've got a great rec center, and, and they've got great schools in that area, and the, the homes hold their value well. Did you ever stop to think that maybe, just maybe, God puts you on your street, God puts you in your home, God puts you in your neighborhood so that others might know that there is a God who gives grace? That's what it's all about. Do you ever stop to think that, that maybe you don't work at the company you work at because you're so talented and so gifted and so skilled? That, that, that you're not there because, you know, well, you looked at their 401k package and it was a whole lot better than the competitor that you were comparing them to or, 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 or that the, the office is in, a, uh, is in a close location to your home. Did you ever stop to think that maybe, just maybe, God put you in the business that you're working at and the environment where you're working, God put you there so that you might let them know that there is a God who gives grace? I mean, can we not apply that to every area of our lives? 
God didn't put you in the school that you're at. God didn't put you with the roommates that he's put you with. God didn't put you in any of those places, not because, well, you know, this was the best situation for me. No, maybe, just maybe God has us where we are so that we can reveal, we can be ministers of the dispensation of the grace of God. That's what it's all about. Now notice, notice we see here, first of all, the calling of this minister in verses 1 to 3. Did you notice that, that Paul writes that he was the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles in verse number one? And in verse number two, he writes that this dispensation, this stewardship, this ministry that had been given to him. And in verse number three, he wrote that the mystery had been made known to him. All of these are evidences that, that God had specifically called, that God had specifically chosen Paul for this particular purpose. Immediately after Paul's conversion, God made known his call to Ananias on, on Paul's life. This is what I've called him to do. I've saved him. I know you're afraid of him. Most of us, we would know that story. Ananias said, I don't want to go see Saul. I know why he's here. He's here to bound Christians and to carry them off to prison. I know what he's here to do. And, 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 and God said to Ananias, no, no, that's what he was here to do. But I have changed his course I have called him for a purpose. And here's the, here's the point. Listen, I don't know why God calls those that he calls, but I do know that his calling is real. I know that. Paul's reference as a prisoner is an interesting one to me. I mean, can we just spend a minute, let's just consider that terminology. That Paul identifies himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now notice that he was, he, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm, I'm held captive by this calling. But understand this, listen, it was not against his will. Yes, he was a prisoner. Most prisoners are there because they have to be. I had a great uncle who worked in, in the prison in western Ohio. And his famous line, his famous line, he would always tell us, he, he worked there as, a, I think, a guard. I'm not exactly sure what he did. But here, here was his famous line. He would say this, yeah, nobody did it. They're all innocent. Everybody's innocent. I, I can still remember him saying that. My great uncle, my, my, mom's, my mom's uncle, my mom's dad's brother, twin brother, as, as it were. And that was his line. Everybody's innocent. In other words, everybody's there against their will. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody, according to them, nobody belongs there. When we, think of, when we think of prisoners, when we think of those in jail, those who are held captive, we understand, well, that, the reason you're held captive is because... You, you would get away if you could. And, and the Apostle Paul, he uses that, that terminology. But I, but I don't believe that this was, this was against his will. I think what he's saying here is he's saying this. I cannot do anything in this life but this. So how do you know, how do you know God's called you to preach? I, I just have to believe it's when you come to a point where you say, I can't do anything but this. This is it. This is what makes me tick. This is what I was created to do. This is what God has placed me on this earth for. In, in, in other words, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I can do nothing else. I'm reminded of Jeremiah. I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah right now in my own personal reading. And you know the famous passage where Jeremiah says, you know what, I was done. I was through. I said, I'm not going to talk anymore in his name. By the way, God gave Jeremiah such a unique ministry. What a difficult ministry he had. I mean, his ministry was not a preaching a, a message that was, made people feel good about themselves. His ministry was, hey, listen, you're going into captivity. You're getting carried away. The city is going to be destroyed. That was the ministry that God gave Jeremiah. 
And you can understand why Jeremiah came to a point in time in his ministry, in his life, when he said, I'm done, I quit. I'm done, I'm out. You know, you can, you can call somebody else to preach your, your message. I'm through. How long did that last? A verse or two? You remember what he said? He said, I, I could not stay. I couldn't stay there. This is what God, this is what God had called me to do. I was, a, I was a prisoner to his calling. Can I say that those who have been called by the Lord to serve him specifically in this capacity find, listen, that this calling cannot be shaken. It's the calling of God. Oh, my heart, my heart goes out to men who've been called by God to do this work. And some, somewhere along the way, they, they drifted away from the Lord and they allowed Maybe they allowed some sin into their life and now, now they've disqualified themselves from ministry. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. I, I, just, I, just, I just know when a man is called to preach, when a man is called to serve the Lord in that capacity, he can't, he can't help but stand up and declare and proclaim, thus saith the Lord. And I'm sure there's ways that God can use those types of people, but I'm sitting here saying that, listen, to, to have this calling upon you as an individual and then to disqualify yourself from it would be a, would be a terrible thing indeed. Sometimes, sometimes people hear that I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and I almost get this idea that they pity me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Really? You're a pastor? That's too bad. No, they don't come out and say it like that. But don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm having the time of my life. Oh, there's some difficult days. There's no doubt about it. But listen, I love what I'm doing. I love it. I love standing behind this pulpit and preaching God's word. There is nothing in all the world like this. A week or so ago, I had an opportunity to travel in Indianapolis to preach. I was preaching in another pulpit. I hate preaching in other pulpits. I really do. I love preaching here. This is where I want to be. This is where God has called me. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm a prisoner, but not against my will. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to do what God's called me to do. We see the calling of this minister. But notice, secondly, the enabling of this minister. We see that in verses 7 and 8. Paul talks here in this passage of Scripture. He, said, he, he says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Do you see verse number 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. I don't know where all this came from. What I mean by that is, I don't exactly know exactly how and when God did all of this in my life, uh, leading me to where I am today. I think it was a series of, of, of steps. Uh, I, 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 don't know how, I don't know how it all works, but I do know this. I do know that if a man is going to do the work that God's called him to do, if he's going to be a minister of the dispensation of the grace of God, he must be enabled by the Holy Spirit of God's power. I can't do this alone. I often think to myself that when you folks come, and you drive from all over, there's folks that drive great distances to be here, I'm often, I'm often reminded, you folks have not come to hear me. You've not come to hear me. That'd be a waste of your time, wouldn't it? I mean, honestly, truly, what, what do I have that you don't have? Nothing. Truly. Uh, you, you, if you came to hear me, then just listen, stay home next Sunday and you just do the best you can. 
Because you've not come to hear me. Listen, here's why you've come. You've come because you've assumed that I've heard from the Lord and that the Holy Spirit of God has enabled me to deliver a message to you and your family tonight. That's why you're here. And if you've come for any other reason, you've come for the wrong reason. Paul understood who he was and what he had been prior to his conversion. And can I just say this? And it is a dangerous thing to begin to think that you and I are capable of living a holy life, of serving the Lord, and proclaiming God's truth in the power of our flesh. Paul continually reminded himself and others in his writings of just what he had been before he came to know Christ. Let me give you a few examples. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 9. Paul says this. He says, For I am the least of the apostles. And am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Do you know what I think? You know what I think sat in the back of Paul's mind throughout much of his ministry? It was this I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. Why, Paul? Why don't you deserve this? Well, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, the cries of Stephen still ring in my ears. I presided over his martyrdom. If, if I'm honest, as, as, I, as I think, I can think of, I, I could think of, it wasn't in Damascus because the Lord rescued me before then, but perhaps in Jerusalem and other places, I can think of homes that I entered into and, and, and dads that I pulled out of fam, families and out of homes and arrested them and have them in prison. And who knows what happened to them after that. If I, if I think about it long enough, I'm, I'm troubled when I'm reminded of the things that I used to do. I was the one who persecuted the church of God. I don't belong here. He writes in 1 Timothy 1, verse number 13, he's of himself, he says, who was before a blasphemer? Can I just be honest with you? That's about the most serious charge that can be leveled against a Jew, is to be a blasphemer. He says, and I was not only a blasphemer, but I was a persecutor and injurious. And then he says this in verse number 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You know what the problem is? The problem is most of us don't think that we're that bad of sinners. The problem is is that many of us feel as if God got a really good deal when he got us. Look at all that I can do. Look how I can, look how I can hold that microphone and, and, and sing. Or that I can stand behind that pulpit and I can scream and holler for a little bit. And I can, uh, I can pull things out of the Bible that no one's ever seen before. And look how I can write. And, and look how nice and how kind I am. And look how generous I am. Boy, God got a real good deal when he got me. I want you to know something. God never got a good deal when he got any of us. We got a good deal. We got a real good deal. Paul, listen, Paul kept in the back of his mind his whole life, his whole ministry. God didn't get a good deal when he got me. I got a good deal when I got the Lord. Paul writes that he was less than the least. What does that mean? I mean, you got the least, and Paul says, I'm, I'm less than that even. I mean, is that even a thing? It is because, because the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to write it. Listen, those who are less than the least, you know what they need? Here's what they need. They need more help than everybody else. They need more enabling than anyone else. But listen, that's not a problem. And here's why that's not a problem, because God gives to those who need it the effectual working of his power to them. Can I just say, listen, don't look for a minister or leader who has all the gifts. Don't look for a minister or a leader who has all the talent and all of the abilities. Look for a minister or a leader who knows how to depend on the Lord for strength and power. That's what you need to look for. 
Sometimes churches you know, find themselves looking for a pastor, and, they, and, they, and it's, almost like this, it's almost like an American Idol contest. We're, we're going we're gonna to bring four guys in, and they're all going to preach, and they're going to preach their best message, and we're going to decide which one we like the most. Well, that's crazy, because pastoring is so much more than preaching a sermon. Pastoring so much more than just being able to stand in front of a group of people and, 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 and proclaim a message. No, no, what you need to look for is you need to look for a man. You need to look for a family. You need to look for a God called servant who knows how to depend on God for strength and power day by day. You know, I, I think to myself, Old Testament Israel, they, they fell into that trap, didn't they? I mean, the first king they selected, you know, they chose Saul. Why? Because he looked the part. The Bible says he was taller than everybody else. Well, that should make for a good king. We can see him at all times. Well, that's basically what they were saying. We just want, you know, when there's a crowd, we want to be able to look and, ah, there he is, there's our king. Well, how, did that, how did that last? Four, they got 40 years of him, and it was miserable. It was a disaster. I mean, it was a, it was a shame, really, what, what happened there. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying allow, allow your minister to fail. Allow him to make mistakes. Because it's in these moments where he truly learns the habit of dependency upon the enabling of the Lord to do the work God has called him to do. Why do we, why do we expect perfection out of, our, out of our pastors and out of our preachers and out of our ministers? Why, why do we expect that? We can't expect that. What we should expect is we ought to expect that when they, when they fail, and they will, They'll let us down from time to time. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about things that would disqualify. I'm talking about just in day-to-day life. When they fail, when they, when they preach a message that wasn't the best message you ever heard, that they determine, I'm never going to do that again. I- I'm never going to stand up there unless I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is in it. A- allow, allow your minister to fail because he learns the habit of depending on the enabling Lord. Now, listen, listen, here's the point. Not everyone is called to be a minister of the grace of God. To be a minister of the dispensation of the grace of God. But listen, some are. Some are. I challenge every, every man in this room and every young man, even those of you that are settled into your career, I challenge you to think, to think, to search your heart and search your life and at the very least ask God, did you create me for this? Did you create me to be someone who takes the mystery of the dispensation of the grace of God and goes into a lost and dying world and helps other people to understand what it all means? Did you create me for this? The work of God requires ministers who have been called by God and are willing to surrender to that call as his prisoner. Notice number two, the grace of God not only requires a minister, but the dispensation of the grace of God is extended to all people. Look, it says in... Verse number, verse number one, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Well, there it is. There it is. Look at verse number six. That the Gentiles, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Can somebody in this room say amen? Because <laughs> that's all of us. We're all Gentiles. And up until this point, up until this point, Gentiles were sort of like locked out, as it were. Now, they weren't really, but they felt like they were. And those who had been, who had been committed, the, the oracles of God, they, 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 they hoarded them to themselves, and they wouldn't let any Gentile know, hey, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares. There's a God who's given his word. 
You and I had been living in that, if you and I had been living in that period of time, listen, and we had met the Apostle Paul, and he had shared the gospel with us, listen, listen, we would, uh, we, we, would, we would hug his neck for the rest, as long as God would give us opportunity, and thank the Lord, thank the Lord that there was an apostle to the Gentiles. We thank the Lord for it. Look at verse number nine. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying every group of people is eligible for God's grace. Filipinos, Cambodians, South Americans, North Americans, Europeans, Asians, Africans, it doesn't matter, Australians, it doesn't matter the continent, it doesn't matter the language spoken, it doesn't matter the color of skin, every person is eligible for God's grace. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to speak a certain language. You don't have to be from a specific geographic area or region. No, listen, every one of us, every one of us, every person you'll ever meet can be a recipient of God's grace. As we've said already in the Old Testament, the Jews zealously guarded what God had made known to them. But they missed, they missed why, had God, why God had chosen to reveal himself to them in this way. And is it possible that we're repeating that same mistake thousands of years later? There's a local New Testament church. And we're content when we're in here to talk all spiritual and to be all spiritual. But when we get outside of here, we, we, we clam up and we don't say a word to anyone, anywhere, about what God has done in our lives. Understand, listen, God did not choose the Jews so that they could be the only people with access to him. He chose them so that through them, the whole world might know who God is and that they might worship and serve him too. Can I just tell you that there are many people alive today who are still completely in the dark as it relates to spiritual truth about God. And that's what the idea behind this whole Asian Bible project is. Because how in the world, listen, how in the world can we, can we bring light into their lives any other way than through the word of God, which is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet? That's what it is. Thy word is a light. That's what God's word is. How are we going to bring light any other way? I'm all for I'm all for starting homes and, and colleges and churches. I'm all for all of those things. But at the end of the day, what, what can we do of the, of the most practical sort? We can give them God's word. Amen. Brother Ron Jackson just returned this past week from another trip. And uh, Lord willing, this coming Sunday night, you're going to hear from him what the Lord did there and, and the work that God has given him to do. What a work it is. I mean, this last trip, I think he said he got a chance to preach to 600 soldiers at a time, one after another. Men getting ready to hazard their lives. Who, listen, who needs the gospel more than them? We, we have a responsibility, we have an obligation to give them the gospel. You know, the truth of the matter is it should trouble us to know that the spirit of the Old Testament as it relates to the knowledge of God is essentially the spirit of our age. And that is this, that spiritual things remain a mystery to most people in our world today. Why, why is that? The grace of God is for all people. It's been extended to all people. 
And we have a responsibility to tell all people what God has done. Thirdly and finally tonight, the grace of God unites us with God. The, great, the, the dispensation of the grace of God unites us with God. Would you look in verse number 9? He says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That word fellowship is a uniting. When I have fellowship with someone, we, we're, we're together. We're unified. Make, make known the mystery of the fellowship which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. I, I, see, I see references to relationship all through this particular passage. Notice in verse 11, he talks about Christ Jesus, our Lord. In verse number 12, he says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. Verses 14 and 15, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That term, Father, is, is a, a term of relationship, of fellowship, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, in other words, listen, when you get into this family, he's your father now. There's relationship there. Notice in verse number 16 that he would grant you, that he would grant you, that's personal. Notice verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that ye, being rooted and grounded, look at verse number 19, to know the love of Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's personal. Verse number 12, 20, according to the power that worketh in us. Understand, listen, the grace of God is significant because it unites a holy God with a sinful man. And it gives us things that we could have never had otherwise. Consider that the mystery kept us, kept us separated from God. The mystery kept us separated from God. That's what this whole thing was about. So the world was in mystery, and Jesus Christ came, and he did what he did so that you and I could be united with him. And he called a man like the Apostle Paul to reveal this mystery to all of the world. In my spiritual fog, I want you to notice my condition. Look at it, chapter 2, look at verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others." You know, he said, he said, listen, in your spiritual fog, in my spiritual fog, I walked after the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. I was a child of disobedience. I lived according to the lust of my flesh and of my mind. And by nature, by nature, I was a child of wrath. I was all of those things, listen, before I got saved, and I could do nothing about it. I was helpless. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Why do people do what they do? Every time I log on uh, on a social media site or a news site or I turn my television on and we see things, we see things in our country that are horrific, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's issues in race relations, whether it's the, the homosexual crowd and the, uh, the, the increasing transgenderism that's in our world today. Why do people do what they do? You know why they do what they do? Because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who Jesus is. And we, we, we sit here and we, oh, what a shame. Look at, look at the mess these people are in. Why are they in that mess? Is it possible? Is it possible because those of us who have been given the ministry of the grace of God have not shared it with them? That we've not done our job? 
And that we have to bear, we have to bear at least a little bit of the responsibility of this crowd that is growing angrier by the day. Because listen, listen, in spite of the fact that they have rights to do whatever it is that they want to do, they're never going to be truly happy. Because you can't truly be happy until, listen, until you become a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, what, that's where real happiness is found. That's where real happiness is found. And they'll never find it. They'll never find it doing what they're doing. Why do people do what they do? They don't know who Jesus is. His word and his grace are a complete mystery to them. Complete mystery. They are in a spiritual fog. And by the way, you would have been in that same spiritual fog unless someone had shared that mystery, had revealed that mystery to you. So unless you you look down on people like that, understand, well, I would be there, except for the grace of God. By his spirit, he gives his word and sends his ministers to them to help solve the mystery. Why don't you trust Christ and believe on his name tonight if you're in a spiritual fog? That's what the message is all about. And those of you that have have had that mystery solved and you're no longer in that fog, you know what you need to do? You need to run out of this place with a fistful of gospel tracts and you need to tell everyone you know what Christ can do for them and what he's done in your life. Number two, the mystery, once it's solved, it unites us with him and unleashes his power and blessing in my life. In verses 9 to 21, we find several, several blessings that we receive by God's grace. And I'm just going to give them to you because they're in the outline. I think, I think they're in the outline. So you can fill it out and you can take these things home. There's a verse next to each and every one. You can study it for yourself. But listen, when that mystery gets solved, when the fog is lifted and when you can see clearly who Jesus is, and what he's done for you and, and, and the grace of God. Here are the blessings. Here are the blessings that God pours out to those who receive God's grace. Number one, he gives them the manifold wisdom of God. Verse number 10. Number two, he gives them an eternal purpose according to verse number 11. An eternal purpose. Most people are just living for today. Get what I can out of today. Wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. Listen, when you, when you meet Jesus, when you've, when you've figured out, when you've solved, when God has solved the mystery of the grace of God in your life, hey, it's an eternal purpose. I'm not just living for today. I'm living for eternity. Notice, I love this one, number three. Here's, what, here's another blessing. You get boldness and access with confidence. Boldness and access with confidence. I um, have my office here and and, um, and, and sometimes, that just, just tonight before the service, I was sitting there, I was talking to someone, a little, little boy walked in. I, I don't even know who it was. It happened so fast. And he walked in, and I could hear him say, Pastor Pete, Pastor Pete. And I was meeting with Brother Valdez and his son. And all of a sudden, I heard, I heard his dad, I'm assuming his dad said, get out of there. You know, get out of there. And a kid, little kid turned around, he ran out. I, I don't know who it was. If it was your kid, he, he, he was fine. He was fine. He wasn't hurting anything, right? But, but I, I, I understand that you'll be a little nervous, you know, pastor's meeting with somebody, we don't want to interrupt, you know, who knows, we're talking about something really, really serious. We were just getting to know one another, that's, that's pretty much what we were doing. But you know, you know my, my kids, my kids, because they're my kids, they can come walking in that office just about any time, because I'm their dad. And they, they can walk in, listen, with boldness, they can have access with confidence. I don't, I don't have to have anybody tell them, get out of there. Every once in a while, their mom probably does yell, get out of there. He's, you know, he's meeting with somebody, whatever. The truth of the matter is, is that that's, that that's a place that they should be able to come and they should feel welcome in. And, you know, I think to myself that 
Every, every time, every time I, I want to, as a child of God, I have, I have boldness and access with confidence before his throne. Uh, uh, number four, number four, we get the blessing of purposeful worship. It says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, we get inner strength, according to verse number 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Number six, we get, I get Christ in my heart, according to verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. These are what, this is what you get. This is what, this is what your neighbors would get if you would simply give them the grace of God and they respond to it. Suppose that could change your neighborhood? I get to be rooted, number seven, I get to be rooted and grounded in love, according to verse number 17. According to verse number 18 and 19, I get the ability to comprehend the love of Christ. And number nine, according to verse number 20, I get a relationship with one who is able to do above all that I ask or think. Now listen, let me ask this question as we conclude tonight. Do you know some folks who could benefit from these blessings? I know I do. And you know some people who are, I mean, they're in a complete fog spiritually. Because they just don't know. They've never been told. All they know is this, is this denomination or this, this faith system or whatever. That's all they know. And you say, well, it's going to be really intimidating to confront them and to tell them that they're wrong. Well, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He'll do it. Do you know some people who could benefit from a relationship with God right now? Right now, they look at God and his word and these things are a mystery to them. What can we do? Here's what we can do. We can take hold of the dispensation of the grace of God and we can pour into them what has been poured into us. We can give them hope. Listen, we can give them the hope that the Spirit of God will solve the spiritual mystery that has plagued them since the beginning of their lives. Listen, you and I have been given a dispensation. We've been given a ministry, a stewardship, a gift. What is it? It's God's grace. Where did we get it from? We got it by the Spirit who used a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. And that same Holy Spirit of God is still preaching that same message and he's still calling men and women today who will, who will take the same gift, the same stewardship, the same ministry and will impart it to others that others might be saved. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight.